welcome once again to the Raging Skillet. And how are you? Are you enjoying this gorgeous burst of spring? I mean, wherever you are, I got to think you're enjoying a gorgeous burst of spring, right? Because it's gorgeous in New York. And I heard it was also kind of gorgeous in Florida and gorgeous in Provincetown and probably gorgeous in Albany and mostly gorgeous. If you're not having gorgeous weather, I'm very sorry. I feel a little guilty to be enjoying myself looking at the flowers and everything if you're suffering. But I'm Jewish, so we've suffered enough. You know what I mean? All those years in the desert, escaping the Pharaoh, constipation from matzah. You know, we've been through enough. Dayenu. So bring out a little nice weather. Now, I did something a few days ago that I never do. It's crazy. So I live in New York City most of the time. I spend all of my free time that I can get in Provincetown, Massachusetts, or in Florida, Florida, on the east side, where I'm proudly gay, 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 gay. Hey, Florida, still gay. And I was just in Sedona, and I was just in Texas a couple of years ago. I mean, I'm, I get around, but I'm a New Yorker, as you know. And I would like to say that I go to Central Park all the time. But you know what? I never go to Central Park. And every time I do, I think, why the hell don't I go here more often? So, of course, normally by the time I drag my tuchus to Central Park, it's summer. And it's packed with people and blazing hot and it's gorgeous, but packed with people and there's 300 people online for the bathroom and, you know, it's a lot of chazarai. But what I hadn't been doing, what I should have been doing, shoulda, woulda, coulda, was going to Central Park in the spring and the fall. Because really, those are the two seasons I think that New York City comes alive. The spring, oh my God, it's getting shorter and shorter though. I, I remember spring being a real season, like it lasted a couple months. When I was a little girl, I remember that. But now it kind of seems like it lasts like two weeks. It's like we go from winter to summer. I don't know what's going on, but we're definitely in spring now. And the trees are exploding in gorgeous blossoms. It's a beautiful thing. The cherry blossoms are ridiculous. So I had an appointment midtown, and I knew that I was going to see a screening of the fabulous movie that my friend Lenny Kisco, shout out to you, Lenny, inspired called Make Me Famous. It's a documentary. So if you ever have a chance to see it, check it out. But it's basically a documentary about an underappreciated East Village artist, Edward Brzezinski, I think I pronounced his name right, who was in the 80s, part of that old school era of artists and musicians who came to the East Village in the 80s with no money and just had to get by as best they could. Now, I feel really nostalgic for this era, of course, because I came to New York City in 1981. So this was my stomping ground. And I would come to the East Village and everyone would say, oh, no, no, you never go further east than Avenue A. You can get killed if you go further east than Avenue A. But we would go to the Sidewalk Cafe on 6 and A, which seemed to be an unofficial lesbian bar because it was just filled with lesbians. And, you know, so-so food, but it was fun. And 
everyone had these East Village old school apartments, like my friend Diga had an apartment with a bathtub in the middle of the kitchen. One time I went over to Diga's house to take a bath. Everyone's walking around the kitchen, heating up things to eat, making their coffee. And I'm sitting there in the bathtub in the middle, smack dab in the middle of the kitchen. Crazy, right? One time I went over to my friend Laura's place. She was on East 13th Street. And her bathroom wasn't even in her apartment. It was down the hall with a padlock on it. So I guess she could shower in her apartment. But she had to go down the hall to use the toilet. I was not down with that in the least. I mean, there's a lot of things I'll put up with, but having to leave my apartment and go down the hall to use the bathroom, forget about it. But I digress. Anyway, this movie really kind of honored the struggle of the East Village starving artist. And this guy, Edward, was super cool and super talented. And he always wanted to be famous. And all around him, were his peers who were getting famous. Keith Haring got famous. Basquiat got famous. Andy Warhol, I think, was born famous. But other people, Julian Schnabel, Schnabel, I never know how to say it, potato, potato, Schnabel, Schnabel. You know, all these people got famous. I mean, not him, not Brzezinski. So, but he was good, and he probably deserved it, and just never happened. Look, fame is fleeting, and doesn't come as often as you like. So my friend Lenny wound up having like the number one only giant collection of this guy's work. He was like his benefactor in an apartment full of his stuff. And he inspired two producers to look into it. And they were inspired to do a documentary on this guy, Edward, and the whole scene of these struggling artists in the wild 1980s scene in the East Village. And wow, it made me feel so nostalgic. So the interesting thing is poor Edward wound up dying. I think he died in Italy or France, I forget, with a really flimsy little grave and not really a gravestone, just a kind of a marker like you would get probably if you were killed at war. And he never got to have that fame that he searched for. But now his work is in a museum. And now a group show he was in called Club 57 is in a museum. And now he's being honored big time. So, you know, I prefer to be honored while I'm alive, to tell you the truth. But I got a feeling Edward knows. Wherever you are, Edward, never met you, but you're getting your shout out now. So I think you owe a drink to my friend Lenny. I'm just saying. Anyway, I digress. This was about the flowers in Central Park, and I was all about the East Village art scene. But my point is, I was heading all the way uptown. I got my passport stamped so that I could go all the way uptown because the movie was being screened at the uh, museum for the city of New York, which is up around 103rd or 104th and 5th Avenue. So you have to get your passport stamped at 85th Street, I think. I'm kidding. The tourists are going to be like, what? Really? I don't have my passport. I can't go. Anyway, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Diana. So it was midtown anyway, I figure I'll walk through Central Park. I'll smell the flowers. I'll see the cherry blossoms. Oh, man, it was so gorgeous. And I was kicking myself the whole time. Of course, I could have just been being in the moment, enjoying the flowers, just appreciating the Shangri-La. But I chose to kick myself going, why don't I do this more often? Why am I never here? Why, why, why? I should be here all the time matching myself. Like, what kind of crazy crap is that? But at least I know it. Anyway, 
It doesn't matter. The point is I got there. I got to the park and I walked all the way from my midtown meeting to the top of the park to 109th Street. And I saw so much beauty along the way. And I kept stopping. I'm not one of these people who photographs nature because I'm a lousy photographer and there's so many great photographers who take beautiful pictures of nature. So does the world need to see my lousy nature photos? No, they do not. But I figured, you know, it only lasts a couple of weeks a year. Let me take pictures of these gorgeous blooming trees. So I started taking pictures of this gorgeous cherry blossom tree. And this tall Asian guy was there also taking pictures. It doesn't matter that he's Asian for the story. I'm just pointing it out because he was tall and he was Asian. And there was a lot of other people who were tall and were every other kind of color of the spectrum. And he in particular had it out for me. I think maybe it's because he felt I was ruining his shot. I don't know. But every time I went to take a photograph, this guy would jump in and take a photograph. And he was ruining all my shots. I was getting really angry. And I was deciding, you know what this is? This is because he's tall. I think something happens to people when they're tall. And they just think that their poo-poo doesn't stink because they're tall. And you just tell me, do you know a tall person that's got an attitude problem? Because this guy definitely did. He kept ruining all my shots. And it was really ticking me off. So there I am trying to be one with nature and looking at the children and the birds and the trees and the nature. And every time I tried to take a photograph, this tall dude ruined my shot. So I decided that I was going to go underneath the cherry blossom tree instead of photographing it from the outside like everyone else does. I went underneath and I took a picture from the inside. It was almost like being inside a gorgeous pink mushroom. It was a beautiful thing and unusual because how often do you see photographs from the inside of a tree? I actually decided that even though I'm not a talented photographer, that that was a really good photograph. So I was feeling pretty cocky. I'm like, maybe I'm not so bad. Maybe I can take pictures too. Nah, 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 nah. So then I went somewhere else to take some pictures and the tall, annoying guy comes over. He ruins that shot too, taking pictures. Now, in reality, this guy probably maybe wasn't trying to ruin my shots, maybe wasn't trying to drive me mental, but he kept ruining my shots anyway. So maybe he just was oblivious. Maybe he was so tall that he thought his poo-poo didn't stink, like I said. Who knows? You know, it's how I'm not using one single dirty word, right? It took a lot of work because I was dropping them left and right in Central Park the other day. So anyway, I finally dust the tall, annoying guy, and I'm walking... At least I thought I dusted him. I'm walking and I see the beauty and there's all of these cascades of tulips. Oh my God, so many tulips and flowering trees and beauty after beauty after beauty. But I feel that this tall guy is following me. And I, I, was, I didn't want to turn around. I didn't want to give him the satisfaction. But out of my peripheral vision, I see this shadowy figure following me. And I'm like, I cannot believe it. This dude has ruined all my shots and now he's following me too. Ooh, I was getting madder and madder. So I put it to a test. You know, I went through the tulips, went past the tulips. I see the shadowy figure following me and I stop and he stops too. I'm like, oh, all right. Insert 15 or 16 curse words there because I was dropping them left and right. So, oh, you know, M and the F and the S and all of those words. 
Anyway, I go a little further, same thing happens. So at this point, I'm losing all of that beauty and all of that Shangri-La that I'd been carrying with me and being inside the cherry blossoms and looking at the beautiful lake and the gorgeous ducks and the swans and the children playing in the little fake beach. There, yeah, there's a little fake beach there. It's kind of cool. And all of that is gone. All I know is that this dingleberry is following me. He's ruined at least, you know, 10 or 15 of my photographs. Not that they were great in the first place, but now he's following me too. Oof, I'm getting angrier and angrier. So finally, I decide I'm so angry I can feel it in my chest. And all that beauty is gone and all the flowers are gone. Everything that had circled me in Shangri-La is gone and all I have is fury. I mean, I had steam coming out of my nose. And I muster up all my strength and I think, so what, he's tall, he's skinny. And I know just where to kick. And ladies, you all know what I'm talking about. I know that place and a few other ones too. If you email me privately, I'm happy to share my Chef Rossi self-defense system with you. But, so I'm fury, I'm ready. Ooh, I'm going to spin around and drop about 30 curse words. And he, if he gives me any crap, I'm going for that first kick in the number one lethal spot and that second kick in the number two lethal spot. And then I learned in my Krav Maga class from the Israelis how to poke at his eye with my finger, too. I was ready, and my keys were ready. I could take them at my knuckles. I was going to kill this tall bastard. I was ready. So much for beauty. I was ready. Roar. So I spin around to give it to him, and there's no one there. And I'm like, what is going on? He must be hiding behind that bush hiding behind that tree nobody is there it was the weirdest thing I'm like the tall annoying dude who ruined my photographs maybe he's a magician or a ghost or a phantom like what the hell is going on and I start to walk again and out of my peripheral vision I see the shadowy figure again and I'm like he was hiding behind a bush oh I'm gonna kill this guy oh here I come I'm ready rah 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 I spin around there's no one there and do you know what I figured out in that moment well have you figured out what I figured out in that moment because a lot of my listeners are highly intelligent darling and that's why you listen to me either that or you know you're masochistic and that's why you listen to me but You probably figured out what I figured out in that moment. That there was no one following me. It was my Fakaka shadow. I was walking in the sun and I was making a shadow. And every time I sort of squinted to the side, I'd see my own damn shadow. And I thought it was this guy. So this guy was just some innocent tourist who happened to be tall, who happened to want to take photographs of the same things that I wanted to take pictures of. And wasn't trying to bug me in the least. And there were probably 5,000 other people who were taking pictures who weren't trying to bug me. Nobody was following me. It was just my Fakaka shadow. I mean, oh my God, that's mortifying, right? So then I just had to start laughing. I laughed and I laughed. And I sat down on these steps to a lake and I looked in front of me, laughing and looking at this beautiful little lake that I don't think I ever saw before. It's up on the top of the park. I think it's like 105th to 109th Street or 105th to 110th, whatever. You know, top of the park. I probably have seen it. I just forgot. 
Anyway, but I sit down these steps, and if I have seen it, I don't remember. It just seemed like I'd never seen it, and none of that matters. What matters is I sat there laughing, and then I opened my eyes, and I saw the most beautiful lake, and all the birds, the ducks are swimming, and the geese are, well, the swans were geese. They were either ugly swans or not-so-ugly geese. I couldn't tell, but they're all swimming, and everything was beautiful, and nature, and gorgeousness, And I thought, I just completely ignored all of this beauty because I had some psycho thing that I thought I was being followed by this tall guy who was, in fact, my shadow. Now, what is the lesson from that? The lesson is, you know, you get your head out of your own butt, I suppose, right? I don't know. It's interesting. So I was sitting there just laughing at myself and looking at all the beauty and thinking that the beauty was a reward for my getting over myself and stopping to smell the roses and everything like that. But while I'm sitting there, the swans who were either not so ugly geese or or sort of ugly swans, I don't know, they weren't that good looking, but you know, you got to keep an open mind. I mean, not every swan can be gorgeous, but they decided that I was there to feed them. So they came up, they were like right at my feet smelling around me. And uh, I remembered when I was five years old, I got chased out of the park by a goose that tried to bite my tushy. So I thought, oof, I better be careful. I didn't have anything for them. But anyway, they went back in the water when they realized I didn't have anything for them and life moved on. And then I got to roll in nature. So I spent some time laughing at myself. And then I walked further into the park And I saw this little kid playing in the fake beach, just a bunch of sand dumped right outside this area by the lake. And he was having the best time. His, uh, I guess it's probably his babysitter, this older guy was sitting at a bench watching. But the little kid, maybe he was about six years old, and he was dressed up like he'd just been to Sunday school or something. So I'm sure his parents would not appreciate knowing that in his little dressed up outfit, He was knee-deep in the sand, but he was anyway. And the only thing he had was a stick. Just a little stick, not even a big stick. But he was entertaining himself so thoroughly, stabbing that stick in the sand. And he would just rub it through the sand and stab it and make drawings and make an S and stab it and throw it in the air. And He just was fully entertained with basically a 10-foot, maybe a 10-foot by 5-foot patch of sand that someone decided to dump there. And his stick, you know, granted his outfit was filthy and I think his babysitter was worried about what the parents would say. Who knows? I don't know. But the point is this little kid was so entertained with this little bit of sand in his stick. And I thought, this kid is like the smartest person here. Because here I am ruining this beautiful day with all this gorgeous nature by first of all spending all my first 40 blocks walking going, I should do this more often. Why don't I do this more often? I should do this more often. Stupid. Then I spend the next 20 blocks thinking this tall guy's following me and he's not, it's just my shadow. And then I sit there and almost get eaten by some ugly uh, swans, you know. But finally, I get it. This kid is the smartest kid in the park. All he needed was a beautiful day and a little bit of sand and a stick. So... Probably we could learn a lot from kids. They don't get so caught up in all of this crap. And they just have joy. They just let themselves have joy. It's not such a bad thing to just roll in some joy. So 
in honor of my laughing at myself and realizing how I just kind of ruined some pretty fabulous, perfect moments, I spent the rest of the day really trying to be appreciative. I sat at a little bench and stared at the lake and looked at the sky and looked at the blooming trees. I went and I found a granola bar in my bag, even though you're not supposed to, don't tell on me, and I fed some of it to the ducks and they were really happy and that made me happy. And then I met my good friend, the great and talented Charmuffy, and we went to see this movie about this guy, Edward Brzezinski. I think it's Brzezinski. I'll have to Google it, but the movie's called Make Me Famous, and it's a great documentary. It's traveling around screening now, so hopefully it'll get to you one day soon. Anyway, the whole night made me feel super nostalgic. I felt nostalgic for the old New York City. Didn't feel nostalgic for the crime. I don't miss the crime. You don't miss the hypodermic needles. I remember going to see an apartment in the East Village on, I think it was 3rd Street and 1st Avenue. It might have been 3rd Street and 2nd Avenue. I think it was 3rd and 1st. And it was cheap. It was a big apartment for $300 a month. You're like, whoa. But you know what? I walked in and the whole vestibule when I walked in was all hypodermic needles from heroin addicts. It's like crunch, crunch, crunch all the way to the apartment. By the time I got to the apartment, I said, you know what? Maybe it's cheap and maybe it's big, but I'm going to be dead if I live here, you know? So I don't miss that one little bit. But what I do miss is that great renegade energy. The renegade energy of punk rock when it first came out. The renegade energy of the Ramones, especially in the beginning of punk rock when it was so wild and fresh moans oh my god they had such great energy talk about your east village kind of energy even though i think the ramones were from queens weren't they i forget i digress but that great energy and the art scene i remember going to do a show on an illegal bootleg radio station and i think it's entirely possible this station might have actually been on the block that i live on now it was in Alphabet City, as we used to call it then. And you had to kind of break through some plywood and go down into the basement of this squat building. There were squatters living in the building. And there in the basement, you know, with the rats and the mice and everything else, was this illegal radio station. But it was running. It was a real radio station with guests, and it was super cool. And I got to be on the show, and I don't remember what I talked about, but I had a great time. And I love feeling so alive and so edgy. I really miss that. I miss really cool art galleries popping up everywhere. Like this guy, Edward Brzezinski, he just turned his apartment into an art gallery. I think he called it the Magic Room or something. And you know what? I guess maybe I never lost that kind of energy because I did the same thing myself. One of my first apartments in New York City was a giant place. It was on Eastern Parkway and Franklin Avenue. Now, back then, Franklin Avenue was one of the most dangerous blocks there was. Now, it's a place you can wait an hour to have brunch. It's gotten hoity-toity. But back then, it was all drug dealers and crime and craziness. And I wound up getting this giant apartment. It was like 2,000 square feet. And we would have... We, meaning myself and my other personality, we would have poetry readings there and art shows, and it was kind of like a salon, 
a Crown Heights lesbian salon. Anyway, but it was exciting. That kind of energy. And that was the kind of energy I was feeling really nostalgic for after watching this movie. Now, I realize I've bounced all over the place, from Central Park to the Flowers to the East Village art scene to this guy Edward, who never made became famous, but now he's famous, to my friend Lenny, who inspired him, to my thanking this tall, obnoxious guy who ruined my photographs was following me, and it was just my shadow. But what I didn't talk about was food. I suppose you're wondering, this is sort of a food show, right? All right, I'm going to talk to you about white bean tapenade, and that has nothing to do with anything I've talked about. But it is vegetarian, and it is vegan, and it is yummy, and there's a thousand ways to make it. You can also serve it as a dip with crudite. I very often serve it as an hors d'oeuvre. I take a crostini, a slice of baguette or French bread with a little olive oil, salt, and pepper, toast it up, or you can put some herb oil on it, however you like your crostini. And the white bean tapenade, you get cannellini beans or really any canned white bean. Then you want to drain the beans and rinse them. You always want to rinse beans out of the can because uh, you don't want that chemical crap on them. Just wash it off. You put the beans in your food processor. My esposa, my wife, the big food processor, or my esposo, my husband, the little food processor. Put the beans in there. There's a lot of things I'll throw in. I like to throw in roasted or caramelized garlic. Sometimes I just leave garlic in a pot and cover it with olive oil and let it cook forever until it gets nice and soft and gorgeous. Or you can use roasted garlic, but definitely you want to throw some garlic in there and some red pepper flakes. And it loves lemon juice. It loves lemon juice, fresh lemon juice, but also some lemon zest. That you get you zest the outside of the lemon. Throw that in, and then you cut the lemon in half and squeeze it, and you put the juice in, too. It's like a double lemon kind of thing. And all kinds of herbs. You want to chop your herbs first. Some fresh chopped parsley that you cleaned, of course. Some sliced scallion you could throw in. Some chopped cilantro you could throw in. Or you could go a little more herby, like Italian, Mediterranean, with some chopped thyme or some chopped rosemary. is a gorgeous thing. So you puree, or you can just pulse it a little bit so you leave your white bean tapenade chunky. You season to your liking. I give it salt and fresh ground pepper. I also like celery salt, as you know, I love that. Sometimes I'll give it a little ground cumin or ground coriander. Why not? Generous with the pepper, of course, and the red pepper flakes. You know, whatever your jam is. And then you can serve a nice scoop of that on a crostini. That could be the end, but you could also give it some little bit of grilled asparagus that you've sliced up. That's a beautiful thing. Or some sun-dried tomatoes or some grilled artichoke. It's a beautiful thing. Or you could serve it as a dip, like I said, with crudite. Or sometimes what I'll do is I'll grill asparagus, toss it in olive oil, salt, and pepper, grill it. And then serve it alongside a bowl that has the white bean tapenade in it. Except when you serve it as a dip, I don't call it white bean tapenade, darling, anymore. I call it white bean dip. You know, sort of got trashy all at once. What can I say? But it's a gorgeous thing. It really is. It's got some similarities to making a hummus, except you're not using tahini. But you could, if you were really in the mood, you could also make a white bean hummus. And that's a whole other thing where you puree your white bean with tahini 
Oh, yum. And then also the lemon juice and the garlic. We'd love that. And a nice amount of salt is a gorgeous thing. And puree, puree. And sometimes I'd get creative, too. I probably would throw in some cilantro if I was going that route. This very diverse thing, white beans. No matter what you do, you are going to get gas. What can I say? It's just going to happen. Just accept it and deal with it. But it's worth it, darling. And it's a great vegan source of protein and a great vegetarian source of protein. And it makes you feel fancy. So the next time you're entertaining, you invite a few people over and you're like, oh, my darlings, we're having a lovely Sauvignon Blanc and we're having a white bean tapenade on crouton. You starting with a chiffonade of herbs. Oh, I'm so fancy. Oh, forget it. It's bean dip on bread with some wine, okay? Who are you kidding? You can take the white trash out of the girl, but you can't take the girl out of the white trash. Actually, I'm all white trash, in girl or out girl. It's just a whole trashy thing. What can I say? So, there you have it. Round the world in 35 seconds. Next time you think someone's following you, just make sure you're not actually chasing your own tushy. You know what I mean? This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi. And as always, food is love and so are you.